Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a talented musician. I really, really am excited to learn all about what he's about. Uh, today we have on the great Rory DeLazno. Welcome to the show, my man. How's it going? Pretty good. Yeah, thank you for having me, Peter. Absolutely. Thanks for reaching out. You, of course, you know, hit us up and was like, you know, I'm interested in being on. And how did you find out about, about us to begin with? Sure. I think one of my musician friends had shared something about you guys. Um, and I was listening to a couple of things on the Instagram and I thought, you know, hey, this seems like a really cool podcast. So I'm looking forward to, you know, hopefully connecting with you guys and or, or with you personally and, uh, you know, getting on. So I'm, I'm glad that. it was able to work. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's great. Um, I just someone who I had on recently just said the same thing. Like they just kind of organically found us through someone else and 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 you know that's what you want to hear and you want to make sure that it's like what you're doing is getting out to people oh, and absolutely <laughs> the mouth is a powerful thing of for course sure. of course and i'm sure and we'll get into that with probably your music i'm sure you get a lot of, of that type of reach so yeah. um yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely so you know i just what i love asking about and i, lo I love getting to the real crux of like uh, of of the I guess the genesis of how this all started. I mean, you're a musician clearly now, but obviously you weren't always. You know, you didn't come out the womb that way. When when <laughs> when did that all start for you? Sure. Well, for me, it started when I was really young. Um, definitely not birth, but like uh, I think I was like five or six years old. Right. I picked up my father's guitar. He was right-handed, and I'm actually right-handed and everything else. But I picked up his guitar the wrong way. So I picked up a righty guitar as a left-handed person hmm. or rather as a left-handed person would hold it, which left the strings upside down and everything facing the wrong direction. So I learned to play that way as a little kid trying to basically be my father's mirror image. Um, and I played a, a bunch as a kid. I had some, you know, small gigs, but still gigs nonetheless, pretty unusual for like 10, 11, 12 year old to have gigs. So I, you know, I don't, look down my nose at it, but yeah, the library and Starbucks and, and Borders bookstores when they were around. So I had a few gigs doing that kind of thing. Um, and then my mom died when I was 14 and I sort of got derailed because both of my parents were super supportive of my music, but my mom was like my, uh, I don't know, not my manager, so to speak, but she was, you know, the driving force behind getting me opportunities and helping me you know, get my name out there as much as you can as a kid. Um, so for a while there, maybe about 10 years or 15 years, really, um, until I turned about 29 or 30, I sort of was writing and recording and intermittently playing things, but mostly just trying to focus on getting a quote, real job. Um, and then as I was nearing 30, I said, wait a minute, life is too short and hit the ground running. And ever since then, I've just been pursuing it as aggressively as I can, trying to pay tribute to uh, to my mother and then uh, my father as well, who passed away. Uh, I guess now it's been like two years. Wow. So, yeah, you know, just trying to prevent myself from getting caught up in the mundane stuff and, and trying to not to be a perfectionist. But yeah, essentially started young, had a big uh, hiatus and then came back to it uh, with a renewed passion for it. Wow. I mean, that is... Uh that's quite the journey. And again, you know, sorry for your parents there. Um, yeah, the, the fact that, you know, I love that you're doing it still to, you know, keep that memory alive of them. And, and like that love of music clearly came from, from, from the both of them. 
and the support and there yeah, that that's that's great the fact also though that you also said yeah i, I had gigs at 10 <laughs> the fact, that made me laugh but at least you understand like yeah not everybody had that i i had this moment of 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 of, of having these gigs but that is kind of cool um so do you think that that i suppose your music has evolved because of the loss. I mean, like, I don't want to get too far into that, but like, has that guided you in such a different path? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously, like, uh, like I said before, uh, we got on here, you know, feel free to delve into anything you want. I'm pretty, right. pretty good about that kind of thing. But yeah, to answer your question, it absolutely has. And it's one of the driving forces for me to, you know, play shows and write songs. It's really been a, cathartic experience to write these songs and play these songs and oftentimes you know more people than you'd think and and more people than you'd like uh can relate to that kind of stuff you know unfortunately it is not as uncommon as you know people might think before it happens to them so i've you know essentially i've found it to be uh, a way to relate to people which i think ultimately is ideally the goal for any songwriter to write something that resonates with people that people can derive comfort from or, or, you know, feel understood. So yeah, it definitely impacted my musical journey, so to speak, and it continues to, to do so. Yeah, that is a good point. I mean, any, any artist does strive for that, that sense of connection with their, and, and, and same goes for the audience. They want to be able to connect. Yeah. Um, so what would you categorize your style of music? I mean, I know I've had on many different artists here who have uh, quite a vast catalog of genre uh, that, I've, that I've interviewed. And uh, the one that always surprises me to this day is uh, uh, Americana music, right? Like uh, oh, yeah. that, that I didn't know. I was not quite familiar with it. So I, that, that guest, you know, Charlie Cope, I don't know if you know who he is, but he... Mm-hmm. He uh, extraordinary, extraordinary artist, and he just told me what it was, and it's just kind of a mix of you know bluegrass and and all these other things, and I was unfamiliar with it, and I and I that's why I love having some folks on that I'm I'm not entirely familiar with what they do, so yeah, what would you categorize uh, your style? Yeah, I like that. Um, I, I kind of look at it as half and half, yeah. half songwriter, sort of in the mold of like an Ed Sheeran or a John Mayer and then half like alternative rock. So when I play with my band, um, you know, which is sort of like a rotating cast of my friends. Mm-hmm. And um, when I record full band, um, it tends to gravitate more to like alternative rock. It's like Jimmy World, Foo Fighters, um, that kind of thing. So a little heavier, um, but I sort of go back and forth between the two, I would say. Okay. I, I love that. I mean, that's so they're so different too. At the same time, like, you yeah, know, um, that's kind of that's kind of wild. Yeah, I have a buddy of mine who who's very much pat- patterns his his uh, career, I guess, out of it uh, from Ed Sheeran. But uh, but that's good stuff. I mean, Foo Fighters. You said Jimmy Eat's World. Um, yeah, that's very different than Ed Sheeran. So, do you feel? that it's hard for you to make that balance or do you find it so uh i don't know uh exhilarating or something when when you do get in the recording booth or on stage to be able to be so i guess versatile 
Yeah, I mean, admittedly, like a lot of my life playing guitar um, alone in my room, like an acoustic guitar and just sort of having it be like a confessional kind of deal. Um, that was like where I was coming from, but the music I was listening to was so different. So once I got into the studio um, and I was able to sort of add different layers to it, I typically find that to be the most um, exhilarating to use your word. Uh, that's like a good way of looking at it. Cause like my, the current guy I work with predominantly is a guy named Rob Freeman. Um, he's a producer out of Jersey who has some like serious, like, I guess you'd say like emo, uh, music roots. He was in a, in a band called hidden in plain view, um, or still is rather they recently have gotten more active. Um, but he sort of helped me transform these stripped down acoustic singer songwriter, uh, tunes into more fleshed out, a little heavier, a little more um, layered, uh, you know, uh, recordings. So I, I really like to be able to live in both worlds. And I especially do have that tendency toward wanting to be a little bit more fleshed out and a little bit more aggressive. But I mean, there's definitely a place for something to be stripped down and, and you know, personal and you know, potentially evocative things sometimes can be more evocative when they're, um, you know, more intimate. So I, I like to live in both worlds, right. but I do have a tendency toward the heavier, more aggressive stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's probably even more fun to play too, to be honest. Right. Yeah, it is. It is. It's more fun <laughs> to play with like a couple guys with behind you or whatever. And you get, you get more opportunity to, to, to mess around and bring more dimensions to the music. But on the flip side, you know, while I do prefer that, I guess, you know, so to speak, when I am in the right headspace and I'm playing solo acoustic, it is kind of nice to have that really sincere uh, connection with the audience. It's more personal, more intimate to be just you and a guitar and the folks that are listening. You know, it's, right. it's, it's they both have their place, I suppose. That's true. I, I, I mean, um, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a musician, obviously, but I, I, I could only imagine like that, that rush you get getting on stage with tons of people shouting and screaming <laughs> um, and you rocking out, going crazy. The equivalent to that is got to be like doing drugs. So, um, <laughs> but as you also said, a more intimate acoustic feeling where they're not really shouting, they're not really screaming, but they're more in tuned with what you're actually doing. Yeah. Um, that's also got to be a little bit more of a of like a high too. Like, but it's a different type of high. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I've always talked like you said it. Like, they're both great. Um, and I always, uh, I've, I've I've experienced that a little bit with like, you know, a little bit of like acting in college and stuff. But there's nowhere near the same, you know whatever but like i could only imagine like not feeling that on a certain day and didn't, no wonder you want to always go out and go on tour and being at a yeah yeah it's got to be exhilarating that's just oh man uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh but yeah that's got to be wild so um what i what i am curious about though is um you play the guitar yes you sing what mm -hmm. other instruments do you dabble in besides those two yeah, so I do play piano a little bit. I typically don't do it on stage, but I've thought about trying to incorporate it because that that's really actually my 
not my first love, but I would say my greatest love. I really kind of enjoy piano more than guitar even, but um, yeah, it's predominantly piano. I play a little bit of bass, but that's just like on a, you know, as needed. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's predominantly guitar, you know, acoustic more than electric, but I have delved into electric a little bit more. I'm trying to get them tried to be tried to get more familiar with the intricacies of electric guitar because it's there's a little bit more to uh incorporate you know different effects and different kinds of dynamics whereas acoustic is just sort of like you play the damn thing at least for my <laughs> i don't try to worry about being too proficient it's just sort of a vehicle to get the song across you know interesting because you yeah, I mean, I think um, to that point, I mean, there are plenty of people that just play your standard chord on a, on an acoustic, mm -hmm. but I guess when you do have the the electric, you're kind of like, oh, I'm kind of forced now to be decent enough because uh, maybe you're going to hear it louder or something. Yeah, yeah. It can go either way. I mean, at the same time, like there's more sound to get drowned out. It could be a little bit messier. Right. I mean, there's certainly a lot of like, I don't know, not to like dog punk rock or something, but I feel like punk rock could be like a little bit more um, instinctual and a little bit more mm. unrefined. So you can make do with less. Wow. Um, but just so far as like there are different effects, pedals and different right. things that are, you know, uh, a, like a lead guitarist, for example, would have a field day with and I could just never. Well, I could potentially get into that world, but right now I'm just totally unprepared. So when I've played guitar in a band situation when it's electric, I've sort of like relied on my lead guitarist to give me a little bit of a rundown of how I can spice up what I'm doing. Um, Cause it's just not my primary, um, my primary strength. And for acoustic, I do kind of stray away from the basics, but I do it in kind of an unconventional way because I do play the guitar upside down and backwards. So <laughs> I typically give myself a hard time on that front because it is technically wrong. And I feel there are prominent disadvantages, but I guess the flip side is sometimes I can do things that other people can't, or I, you know, come at writing guitar parts in a different way than other people might because the strings are in a different order. Um, so I do get a little unorthodox, which I, I guess is a nice thing. But like I said, I've never sat down to try to be like, you know, ripping crazy solos. It's yeah. just not interesting to me, like as a primary form of musicianship. Like, I, you know, it's always a good time, but like not necessary for what I'm trying to do. Wow, I, I just didn't, uh, I couldn't believe I'm hearing a guitarist saying that they didn't want to do a solo. <laughs> like, that <laughs> is something that you, yeah. I was going to say, I consider myself a songwriter, first and foremost. Right and on, okay, okay. Fine. Like, I would even sing. Um, in a full band situation, I'd actually prefer to just sing, but I haven't figured out what to do with my hands yet. It's surprising how much more complex it is to look natural on stage when you're not holding an instrument. <laughs> mm, right. Yeah, actually, that brings me to, to some, my next thought. I mean, it's kind of, I have a lot of, I have a lot of uh, film people on and, and, I, I'm aware of what what it's like to be on a set and all that. That's that is my background. But when it comes to being a musician and what it's like to be on a stage, um, I'm a little bit you know obviously unfamiliar with what that feeling's like. I know again back to the whole 
you know, the the rah rah of the fans. That's got to be like a drug. But <laughs> what is it for those listening? Because again, we, this is kind of like an edu- educational show. What is that feeling? What is that 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 you always hear the butterflies, of course, and and what have you. What is yeah. that like before a gig or a show is about to start and during the show? Oh, it's great. It's it's very exciting because you feel like, um, at least I feel like it's kind of a unique opportunity to have the kind of like have the floor. You know, I, I tend to even enjoy the banter just as much or, or sometimes even more than the music. So, uh, no, I, I actually I wouldn't say mm-hmm. more, but I, I definitely appreciate both sides of the of the experience. So I feel like as I'm about to get on stage, like, whoa, someone's about to put a microphone in front of me. Are they sure they want to do that? (laughs) So I just feel like I have the ability to impact the room. And I feel like a sense of like, you know, like responsibility and like, Mm -hmm. I guess I don't want to say like power, but like, you know, like it's, it's a, it's a thrill to be able to impact whatever happens next. Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd say that's the primary thing I'm feeling as I'm about to go on stage. Like, cool, I get to do whatever I want. And, you know, hopefully I don't screw up. But also, like, if I do something good, everyone in the room can feel it. And that's kind of exciting, you know. See, for me, that's a big takeaway. I mean, for I bet for so many young kids that are listening to this that are probably thinking, well, I'm going to get up there. I'm going to show them that I'm the best musician out there and (laughs) I am going to just... I'm just going to knock their socks off. But you mentioned responsibility and understanding that, you know, people paid for this, you know, uh, (laughs) don't look like a fool, actually go out there and and give them a good show. Um, Now, if giving them a good show makes makes you look like a fool, then okay, then fine. That's part of your shtick. But 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 the the, yeah, being responsible uh, to the to the fans. I mean, I'm a big I'm a big wrestling fan. And, and there's, I forget who did say this, but, uh, and, and, and there's, uh, in baseball too, I think Lou Gehrig said this, um, you never know who's going to be there for the first time in mm. the audience. And, and I think that's something that every single either, I just, I'll just say performer, entertainer mm-hmm. has to remember, whether you're in, in acting or in music or what have you. You never know who's seen you for the first time. Yeah. And give it your all every single time you're out. It's it's, yeah. it's huge that you remember that. Um, not too many people do, though. <laughs> it's a unique opportunity. I mean, I, I was definitely prone to forgetting that, like, not everybody can do this. You know, even if I'm not the best guitarist or the best technical singer, you know, whatever drawbacks, because everybody has strengths and weaknesses, you mm-hmm. know, but whatever I am, I still have a unique opportunity to go out there on stage and affect somebody's somebody's night and you know hopefully even more than that. I mean if somebody hears a song that they really resonate with, that really really resonates with them, I mean as a listener of music, I can certainly relate to that feeling of like taking something away and having it stay with you, you sure. know. I'm as passionate of a listener as I am a performer and there's nothing better than hearing a song that deeply affects you that you just want to put on repeat and just listen to over and over again and, and ponder, you know, so yeah. it is a, it is a responsibility, um, but not in a daunting kind of like obligation way, just sort of in like a give your all and whatever happens on that stage is, you know, what it is. It's just an experience. So like if I hit a wrong note 
I'm a bit of a perfectionist, as I alluded to before, and it, and it tends to hold me back if I'm not careful. But now I kind of feel like if I hit a wrong note, it's all part of whatever the experience is for everyone in that room. Like, right. hopefully we'll limit the wrong notes and we'll limit the errors, but it's also not meant to be perfect. It's meant to be a shared, you know, endeavor that is just authentic and genuine. And, you know, you feel the, not to get too, you know, hippy dippy, but you know, you feel the energy, so to speak, uh, on both sides. And that's what in my mind should take precedence over everything, not perfectionism or even necessarily trying to like rock hard, you know, even though like <laughs> that's kind of fun too. Like I, I just want to like, just be there and just be there with people and, you know, hopefully connect, um, on some like sort of vibe level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting increasingly inarticulate as I'm running around. Using the yeah. new lingo that the kids are using. That's right. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, right? Like, I mean, like energy, vibes, you yeah. know, just, just that intangible sort of entity in a room when a stage is, uh, when a performance is, is happening that people are really. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, energy, vibes, all that stuff. But it is, yeah, right. That is, that is probably the best way to explain it. Um, yeah. You, you did. I do see on your Instagram you are, a, 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 I guess, in the New Jersey, New York area. Mm -hmm. um, there's no denying that this this area of the country has shaped a lot of music uh, over the many decades, um, and I'm sure it obviously has played a huge huge role in what you determine to be um good music and and, and what have you um mm -hmm. how has the area how's the northeast i suppose or the city or wherever exactly you're at how has it shaped the way you are as a, a performer mostly on the local scene so i find myself getting inspired a lot of by people who i've come across in person um as far as like local artists um or rather like prominent artists who have those local roots i surprisingly growing up in new jersey did not grow up as a bruce springsteen fan neither of my <laughs> parents really dug him which is like a a big sin for a new jerseyan um i grew up more of a billy joel guy which is long island which is you know still kind of the area but yeah. not it's not uh billy joel country as much as it is bruce um so like the majority of the bands that I really dug weren't from this area. Like I grew up a huge Beatles fan, Queen. Um, I don't even know who else, but like a lot of older music. But as far as the local scenes go, local scene goes on like a more, um, uh, you know, like the folk folks that aren't like haven't hit it big yet. I mean, I typically find myself really enjoying a lot of the folks that I have played shows with or caught shows um you know caught their shows so yeah i mean the local scene definitely has inspired me and, and brings me a lot of joy but as far as like the legendary artists i actually mostly probably enjoy folks who are not from here you know jimmy world is from arizona um taking back sunday is from long island actually so they're local but you know there's a there's a lot of good music to be found everywhere yeah um yeah, and I figured the the I love the fact though that you said you're not a fan of Bruce because uh, I think I think talk about overrated in my eyes. I, I'm sorry, but why does the whole state have to like beg? Uh, I mean, bend to the knee of this man. But anyway, 
Uh, yeah, I, got, I mean, I will say I've, I've come around in a few of his songs and I definitely have a respect for him. But no, I, I mean, at least growing up, I definitely did not understand all the craze. And, you know, I, I, I have a, like I said, tremendous amount of respect, but it, it took some self-education for me to fully get it. Like it didn't come naturally to me. And now, while I think he's an incredible songwriter and performer and, you know, um, I have all the reverence that I should have. I think it, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll admit it wasn't something that I listened to and immediately was like, this is it, you know? Whereas Billy Joel honestly was Billy Joel was something that I listened to and immediately was like, I want to get through his whole discography and hear every obscure song. Um, and, and Bruce took a little bit more effort. And as I, you know, as I delved in deeper, I said, okay, I, I can kind of see here, but, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I'm trying to be diplomatic <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, if any of my friends from New Jersey do listen to this, I may get canceled. But uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> like, I, I think I can safely say it is both honest and hopefully acceptable that it did not come to me naturally and then eventually right. informed myself and am in a decently reverent uh, position here. <laughs> no, I, I, obviously. I mean, I... I I play games uh, when I'm when I'm saying that. I mean, I obviously don't uh, I don't hate Bruce or any or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it is one of those things where I I I don't totally yet. Maybe I'll get there like you're getting there. <laughs> understand yeah. his his complete value, but I do under yeah. I do get like I I get the 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 songwriter aspect of it all, but I don't know. It's not all there for me. Like my I guess my point is you won't catch me buying a record or listening to a whole album of his. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But I Billy mean, Joel, I, I, in the obvi- uh, Billy, I, ha- I have tons of Billy Joel stuff. Just, you know. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I mean, I, I have listened to the records, but it took intentional effort. Like I, I don't worship him. For example, like I, I would say like Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters or, you know, Paul McCartney is a very, you know, corny, uh, you know, popular answer. But if Paul McCartney was like, anywhere near me i'd probably like immediately lose my ability to speak you know <laughs> so yeah definitely that's more my speed paul mccartney billy joel dave grohl i mean obviously you know the late freddie mercury um oh without a doubt yeah 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 i mean it is it is just it is just funny though because when i have a jersey person on or i know someone from jersey i always gotta be like please tell me you're not a bruce fan <laughs> but again not that i hate him but um yeah. But yeah, no, of course, you named some of the greatest artists of all time. I mean, clearly, you know, and I'm sure you could add more uh, if, if you really sat down and thought about it. But it's just one of those things where it is interesting to see where uh, who influenced us at such a young age, especially, you know, being, of course, you being a musician and a songwriter and, you know, just easily can go, oh, that explains why his music may be this way or that way. Or... You you may love a certain artist so much that you don't even think you could even touch what they did, so you don't even go in that genre. You know, you don't even yeah, yeah. you don't even touch that that landscape. Um, but yeah, New York, New Jersey, this area, especially New York. Let's be honest. I'm in New York City right now, born and raised, all that stuff. Oh, I, nice. I understand that. You know, I understand what has come out of here, and I and I continue to learn always what what has been birthed here and what has made either made better or worse here but no mm. way am i saying new york is the you know the greatest place in the world like there are people that i know that are like that but 
<laughs> but what I will say though is, yeah, this place, without a doubt, has, uh, and they say it for a reason. Like you, you have to come here at least once in your life, or live yeah. here once in your life to really understand what, why people continue to flock here and continue to call it home, and, and especially for musicians, there is countless venues on mm-hmm. every other block in certain aspect, certain areas of the city. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn, Queens, uh, even Staten Island. Let's be honest. When I was in high school, there were some cool punk scenes in Staten Island. I know you. I know. I know what you said about punk before. I, I won't forget. <laughs> no no uh, disrespect to punk. It just doesn't require the complexity. Of, of course, it, of course. That's <laughs> why. For simplicity. That's why most high schoolers could play it. But uh, <laughs> so. But uh, but there is there's so many different things happening here, uh, and and they will continue to happen until you know I don't know an asteroid hits it. But um, do you find yourself? I mean, I, I I'm obviously I saw you're you're touring around. What where's an area of the country that when you go there you're just like I feel like I'm at home. Yeah, well, I mean, I do love New York, and I probably played here more than anywhere. And and just to just before I get into that, I just want to say, like, every time I play at like Mercury Lounge or Arlene's Grocery, I think of the Shrokes, who like famously oh, yeah. gigs there, and maybe had a little bit more success in selling tickets. I do okay, <laughs> from what I understand, it was hard not to attend a sold out show, but even back in the beginning. But I do think, yeah, New York is birthed. I mean, obviously, great artists like Talking Heads too. I mean, that's yeah. before my time, but I really like Talking Heads. Um, but as far as cities, like, uh, for some reason, Birmingham, Alabama and Knoxville, Tennessee, um, also like weirdly Los Angeles, which is supposed yeah. to be so large and impersonal and filled with incredible talent. But those three cities are like ones where I pretty quickly felt at home. I mean, I've been lucky to run into people who are really kind hearted, um, like community, uh, focused folks. Um, so of course it depends on who, you know, like even in New York, I felt like I've found a couple really, um, kind, supportive communities, which is, you know, even more so probably against the lazy stereotype of New Yorkers being cut, (laughs) whatever. But, um, yeah, yeah. For some reason, um, Birmingham and Knoxville and LA have all been sort of places I felt at home and and can't wait to go back to. Yeah. I've, I've been wanting to go. To, to the whole state of Tennessee, really, I've heard is uh, yeah. pretty just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I mean, in Nashville, it goes without saying. Is right. Like I right. just like to say Knoxville because I kind of didn't expect it. Sure. I didn't know much about it until I got out there. Um, Nashville, I've been to a couple times. And, I mean, it goes without saying the oh, talent. Yeah. And the, you know, this emphasis on songwriting is unbelievable. But, yeah, Knoxville is sort of like a, a dark horse for me. That's sort of an underrated city that I feel like people should pay more attention to. That's good. I mean, and then I would never never would have thought, oh, he's going to say uh, Birmingham. <laughs> but that's, that that's surprises me. That, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are uh, I bet a bunch of like, you mentioned that Los Angeles and it, there's got to be, like you said, tons of talented people there. L.A., mm-hmm. you, everyone keeps to themselves, um, very impersonal, like you said, and it's mm-hmm. just got to be a place where you just, you would assume, you just feel, I don't know, out of out of place. I don't know, but but it seems like it's one of your favorites. That's that's cool. I yeah, mean, I've, I've yeah. never been, so I've I've always wanted to, you know, I've always wanted to visit. 
Oh yeah, I highly recommend it. I mean, there's there's definitely fair share of people that are you know trying to be something else, so they're trying to trip someone else to get ahead. But I, I really am a firm believer in like both the importance of community and both the idea, both that and the idea that you can find your community if you look hard enough. Because New York and yes. LA have both been you know two of the the most supportive and most um, welcoming places for me. I mean, um, I host a writer's round out here in New Jersey that's based on, um, uh, it's a chapter of an organization out in LA run by my buddy Greg uh, called Writers Round LA. And I mean, that, that, um, that whole community is so supportive and it's held in, in Hollywood of all places. And every time I've gone down there, I've just felt like so much love in the room and, and obviously so much talent. And there's another friend of mine named Hannah Ruth who runs a house show series called Oasis House Shows. Mm-hmm. And there's a tremendous emphasis on grieving and mental health and, um, you know, community, not to, to beat a dead horse. But I mean, if you go to either one of those settings, I mean, you're bound to have your uh, not you are personally, but like one's views on what LA stands for challenged because that's not, those two groups are not really uh, representative of the typical stereotype. I mean, and for sure in New York, right. it's the same thing. I mean, I've, I've seen people who are cutthroat and in it for themselves and <laughs> you know, phony or whatever. And then I've seen tons of people who are authentic as hell. And, yeah. and both cities are full of transplants too, right? I mean, Oh, Absolutely. Greg, my buddy Greg, who runs the writers' round, is from Pennsylvania, and like I have a friend out here from uh, Finland, of all places. So you know, I mean, you really are going to find people who are going to absorb that fabric of the of the major city that they're in, and then there's people who are going to, you know, make their own. Um, have their own way of going about business. So, I mean, you find enough people from West Virginia and, you know, <laughs> Kansas in New York, you're going to have a little bit of Kansas and West Virginia, you know, in a crowded city, you know, not everyone is going to be pissed off and, and <laughs> miles an hour. Right. Right. <laughs> so. I say to those Kansans, get out. No, <laughs> um, that's what a lot of people, <laughs> it is what a lot of people think, but no, they're walking I, slow. They can get out. I, I'm, <laughs> in that respect, I'm a typical New Yorker. I don't. I don't stand for that. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> Got to walk fast. Um, yeah. No. That is interesting, though. Like you know, those stereotypes in all these cities, and then once you get there, like I thought the same about Kansas City when I was there uh, oh. before I went there, and I was like, ah, I'm not gonna like this place. This place just ugh, there's nothing here. Then I get there and I had the time of my life. And it's just yeah. like, oh shit, you know, there's good people everywhere. You're gonna have a you just gotta you know broaden your, your horizon and, and you know, for lack of a better phrase, and, and figure out, you know, hey, um there's there's gonna be cool people everywhere. Um Yeah. And you'll <laughs> find people who are in it for themselves who are in whatever small suburb oh, or yeah. neighborhood. I mean there's you know, there's jerks everywhere you go and there's wonderful people everywhere you go. You just gotta you know, find your tribe or whatever, so to speak. Certainly. Um, yeah, I mean, so, okay, we've we've delved into, you know, you being a musician, but um, you keep saying you, you see yourself more of a songwriter than anything. Um, delve into that. How uh, How is that for you? 
Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, as I mentioned before, you know, the cathartic element of it, just trying to incorporate life experiences that are, you know, maybe a little bit harder to, to pin down. I mean, that's like my primary goal. And, um, I really respect in other people's songs when they can tap into some kind of common emotion or common feeling that we might have that is hard to pinpoint, you know, I mean, I've, I've heard my fair share of songs as hopefully I've written a couple songs where I think to myself, Oh, wow. I, I definitely like had that feeling or that thought and didn't know how to say it. Mm. Um, so that's basically the, the thing I'm always seeking to do. And I mean, there's nothing as nice as a, as a pretty melody, you know, that's my, uh, that's, right. that's mostly what's behind my love of Paul McCartney. I mean, the guy can write a melody that'll get stuck in your head for all time. And, sure. you know, yeah. That's why for me, I typically write the melodies before I write the lyrics, because even though lyrics are the things, you know, where you can communicate, um, you know, exactly what you're thinking, it's the melodies that have those kind of intangible qualities that can bring you somewhere without even knowing it. Um, that's the impossible magic of songwriting, I think. And that's why like, I always think I'm never going to write another good song. And then, you know, in theory, I, I write at least another song. Um, but yeah, when it comes to melodies, that's like the kind of thing that's so hard to pin down and so hard to explain. So a good melody and, and, a, and a lyric you can relate to or a set of lyrics you can relate to is pretty much the goal. That's the driving force behind what I'm trying to do. Right on. Yeah, and Paul McCartney, man, one of those gifts from the gods. I mean, he yeah. <laughs> he truly knows what he's doing. Um, I feel like uh, his last few albums, though very modern sounding, and though he's you know he's trying to fit in, I gotta mm. give him so much fucking credit for that because he could easily be stuck doing stuff from you know way back when, but he's oh. trying to evolve at eighty years old. You know, like gotta I give know. Him, gotta give him that. I, um, I love it too. I think he does it well. I really like his solo stuff, especially his yeah. more recent solo stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Egypt Station, I like that. Yeah, it's that's, a great that's a good album. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you, you, you seem to focus, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems when you're writing, you're focusing more on the, on the harsh emotion, right? Yeah. You want to make sure that you're, you're, you're exuding some sort of reaction from, from the, from the, the listener. Um, mm -hmm. is that, that's gotta be really fucking difficult. So th is, is every one of your songs, um, like, uh, you know, I don't know how to say it, but just just full of this just passion and emotion in your lyrics or? I guess not, not all of them. I mean, I, I'm a big believer too in the idea that like everything that is within the realm of human experience is like worth writing about. So yes, I do have a lot of songs about like loss, for example, or grieving or mental health struggles, but I do try to mix it up and write a couple love songs here and there. And, you know, songs about, uh, my persistent existential crises that I'm having every <laughs> four o'clock or whatever. Um, but I have a couple of songs coming out that I'm really proud of. And they're my first, um, well, I was going to say my first major deviation from songs about loss, but that's not true. My last record was predominantly about loss and grieving and mental health, but these two songs that I'm, that are coming up are, a little bit more fun i'd like to say but i still try to tackle things in a unique way like uh 
my first single from this new batch is going to be about um or is a song about basically like wanting to give up on love and then somebody renewing your interest in uh renewing your faith in mm. so i mean it's not like that's never been said before but right, right. I try to put my own little twist on it because you know i felt that way i felt like everybody sucks and you know it's all <laughs> bullshit and then you know you meet someone who kind of changes your whole perspective on things i think that's that's a beautiful thing that is, you know, yeah. at least fully one step further than further than like, oh, baby, you're really pretty and I love you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, you're saying that Elvis sucks? <laughs> I agree. Or early Beatles, which right. is like my favorite Beatles stuff. But right. no, yeah, that is <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean. You're, you're yeah. right, though. I mean, um, but but back to your existential stuff, crisis stuff. <laughs> Don't get me started on that either, man. There are <laughs> nights where I just sit in bed going, what in the fuck? What right. is what is all this? <laughs> all part of the human experience, right? <laughs> we have enough consciousness to understand that we don't have enough knowledge to know what's going on. <laughs> I just always sit there and just go, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> right, sometimes I wish, I wish I was a dog where I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I don't know what's happening and I don't need to know. Yeah, I want to be satisfied by a really nice looking fire hydrant and just right. call it. <laughs> there are days, <laughs> right? That's it. <laughs> oh man, there are some of those days, but um, <laughs> but it is it is, you know what? But you got to give yourself the ability to take that and and make it into something because some of us just sit there and it cripples us, yeah. and we don't make anything out of it. But you're turning it into art, and so as as debilitating as it may be in that moment and as terrible terrible uh, experiences that you might be going through in your head the mm-hmm. fact that you're able to turn that into art is uh, it's kind of beautiful I will say Some, oh, somehow nice. turning a, 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 a big negative whatever it is that you're dealing with uh, and turning that into art is, is beautiful and then of course all the mental health stuff whatever whatever it is that you define mental health as because of course all of us will define it differently. Um, sure. I just know I don't have it, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep telling yourself that. No. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely another complex avenue for most of us, at least. I mean, I can't yeah. say everyone's de- dealing with something, but, uh, I think everyone is, to their own extent, dealing with an ounce of whatever they want to call it. But um, okay. yeah, no, it, it, and and for you to just able to go, you know what? There are going to be bad days and good days, but I could turn this into something. Is is I guess was that your avenue out? Like for a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I guess that's a, I look at it as kind of a silver lining, you know, hard times bring about understanding and and relatability. I mean, even in my own life, aside from music, I also work in mental health um, as like a counselor, residential counselor. I look, I look at, you know, I look at things in that vantage point as well, because, you know, everybody's experience is unique, but whatever hardships we've experienced just enable us to get a little bit closer to understanding somebody else's pain, um, or at least providing some kind of comfort. So yeah, I appreciate the way you worded that. Cause I think that's true of anybody creating art of any kind, you know, I don't take it as like just a 
personal compliment, but I also, it's something easy to overlook. Cause I mentioned before, yeah. like I forget that not everyone can write songs or, you know, certainly like I can't paint for shit or draw for shit. So thank God <laughs> they can do that. And, you know, they might take that for granted some days too, because it's just that kind of thing that just comes naturally to a lot of folks, you know, whatever their, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, their, um, my God, uh, you know, like a thing that, that allows them to feel, um, joy or a flow state or something into you know, the outlet. That's the word I'm looking sure, for. Sure. Okay. Got it. Yeah, no, I mean, it is, you never, I mean, we all do. We always judge people, even though we say we don't, we oh, always yeah. say, Oh, I don't, you know, judge a book by its but we all do it. We're all, we're all, you know, guilty of that. But, uh, at the same time, it's, um, yeah, you never know what someone's going through. And also, as an artist, all of us as artists, the, one of the biggest things that we all do is get hard on ourselves, get too, you know, self-loathing, and it's just it's just comes with the territory. Um, yeah. So that, on top of whatever else you're dealing with, <laughs> yeah, is yeah. is uh, it's not a good recipe. But well, genius is close to madness, so the better songwriter I become, mm. the more of an asshole I become. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. There's a lot of us out there. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, that is so tr- fucking, that is so true. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, well, I will say, though, is that there are, there are plenty of, of people that, um, like, as I mentioned, let that get to them. And then it becomes, you know, a dark place. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and if your music is out there helping people, then that's what I always say. Like, we, I always ask a guest uh, that come on is what, what's success, right? And I always mm-hmm. ask them that question. And some people, their answer is as long if, as long as one person, I make a difference for one person. You know, yeah. and that and and oh, well, that's said all the time, and they're just saying that to to seem like they're relatable. But I think mm-hmm. that it is very true for a lot of us creatives. It's like as long as one person listens to my thing and and made their day better or whatever, that that ma- that means something to me. Yeah, yeah. My number is three and a half, but one is cool. No, I'm just <laughs> no, I, I agree. You know, I, I I was just gonna say, you know, as we were talking about this, well, gee, I hope it's. I hope it's reaching someone, but no, I, I know there's been at least a couple people who have come right. up and, have, you know, I, I, that song, you know, reached me cause I lost, you know, whoever, my father, my mother, my brother, my sister, you know, it's, uh, it, it's an, un, it's an impossible joy to explain, you know, yeah. that is, that is the goal for me for sure. And, um, you know, there's just been, even though I'm, relatively anonymous and whatnot um you know obviously like i hope someday that you know i'll be able to achieve some level of notoriety i mean i'm not gonna lie about that like i don't need to be taylor swift but i would love to have more people know my songs i mean that is a goal for people but there are just so many blessings that have come up along the way that have just been like hard to even comprehend so anyone coming up and saying anything like that is just you know it makes it all worth it even if those are the only two people who have ever listened to my song, you know, that kind of deal. I, I, the, the notion that someone out there is listening to this podcast always freaks me out. 
yeah. let alone not just from the United States. Like there's someone in like India listening to this or what have you. Like that always bugs me. Like I've done, I used to have a, a, a movie podcast where we would sit down review review movies, um, mm-hmm. and 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 we would get people from Spain, China, Japan, like just name a country. There was at least maybe one listener, and it always surprised the shit out of me. It just didn't make yeah. any sense, and like that always made me feel like. You know, not not loved, but just made me feel good about what we're doing. I was like, wow, you know what? Maybe we're someone's English class in a different country because, you know, they're probably not speaking English too much. And maybe they downloaded ours to learn English somehow. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you never know. And it's just it's humbling and it makes you feel uh, really, really fantastic about yourself and what you're doing. And so, like, yeah, I bet after a show and someone just comes up and says, man, I was having a rough day, but coming to your show really, really, you know, changed my outlook or whatever, what have you. Yeah. yeah. That's got to be, it's got to be a good feeling. So, uh, when it comes to live shows, you're currently on tour or or we're going on tour? Yeah, probably we'll do a couple of tours this year. Last year, I pretty much every part of the country except uh, the Midwest. And I, and I played a couple shows in Toronto too. So that was really the first year that I really hit things hard because, you know, I got started up again in, in 2018, the end of 2018. So everything I'm doing now is like a very, you know, a first mm-hmm. of sorts. And um, right. I'm a little older. I mean, I'm 33. Wow. But, uh, Put him in the grave already, guys. That's it. That's it. <laughs> always i love when when an artist always says their age and say they're too old <laughs> yeah well you know it's always easy to play the comparison game which is you know <laughs> mass and not advisable but you know there's a lot of people i play shows with that are like 19 and i'm like oh my god right just knowing that i could have been i could have done that if i was more right. focused and they're selling out and you're not. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, I played a show at 19 in the city and I just never did it again. And, and then it started to seem terrifying. I would play an open mic and I'd be shaking like a leaf. Sure. You know, now I've played something like 20, 25 shows in the city. And, it, you know, it's it's still exciting. You still get the butterflies, all the good stuff. But I don't feel terrified by any means. I feel like, let me at it, you know. And that's that's the sweet spot, I think. You know, I think it was like, Dave Grohl or something had said, if you're not a little nervous before a show, then it's time to to hang it up. You know, you want to have flies, but it, it is also fun to not be completely out of control. I mean, when I was in the open mic in the middle of my uh, 20s or something, I could hardly play the damn guitar because I was shaking so much, you know? <laughs> that has to be... Um, I mean, for whatever reasons, you did really stop playing music that was that part of why like you just couldn't take i think that was like a result of it more than a cause of it Mm. um i just kind of like like i said you know i I was going to college i was doing pretty good until i got to college um to uh to undergrad at at michigan it's just like i kind of like uh i just had other focuses you know i thought i was supposed to focus on academics which you know is helpful um, and I just sort of got away from it. Now I did record a couple records during that time. I mean, that's the bulk of my stuff that's out on Spotify. I actually did from that time, but I like 
never played it anywhere, God, you know, because it was too scary or irrational or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I, my thoughts at that time. Sure, know? sure. Yeah. I mean, and then, of course, you come back in 2018. 2019 is a pretty de- good year, I guess. And then, of course, you got nothing happening <laughs> in 2020. Right. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. The world collapses. <laughs> things happen. All this craziness. And then sure. things, depending on the city and depending on the state, things slowly open up later that year early next year but yeah. it's still one of those things where 21 2021 and even 22 for some people it's mostly a blur um true yeah dude when someone said to me like 2020 is three years ago i'm like what like it really uh, boggles my mind knowing that not that i wasted three years i, I mean i've i've done pretty well for myself but it, it is I wonder what I could have done if I was really not in a big fog like the entire world, you know? Yeah. So yeah, within that fun. time, were what were you doing? Well, I started a virtual uh, Instagram showcase called the Songwriter Showcase, mm-hmm. which is actually still going strong. Wow. Um, it's every mo- – most Mondays at 8 o'clock Eastern. Um, I started it um, – I guess it was, it was actually April 1st, which is April Fool's Day, which is – purely coincidental. <laughs> um, I started it just as to have like a couple friends on and whatnot, you know, keep, keep ties with the folks that I was missing. And then it became a thing that's now had, uh, I guess over 300 guests, I think, and it was 15 or 16 countries. So it's just become like kind of a nice thing, even though Instagram and virtual streaming in general are not without their hitches. Right. It's just been a cool tool to keep people connected and whatnot. Um, so I did that and then I was playing outdoor shows or mostly cover gigs for, for money, you know, restaurants were having, you know, throwing their tables and chairs out in their parking lots and, and allowing people to eat from six feet away. So I would be six feet away playing guitar. So that was, you know, one good way to stay busy and, and, you know, make some money. Um, and then once things started opening up, I did get out there. Um, but it was a little, it was a little dicey cause you know, my first tour was down in the South and the South was opening up a little quicker than everywhere else. So it was a little, a little complex. Some people were not pleased with that. And some people were saying that's fine, you know? Um, but yeah, I tried to, to get back on the horse as quickly as I could without being reckless, you know? Yeah. Gotta love that siren passing by. Yeah, uh, <laughs> city today. No, of course, that's to be expected. If it didn't happen, yeah. just getting louder and louder. Yeah. My building's not burning down. <laughs> Breaking news. Right. Oh man. Um, then of course I see I see Rolling Stones is saying that you you, yes. you had that. Sorry about this. Yeah, Rolling Stone India. Um, wow. Actually, came through a buddy of mine that I had in the showcase. Uh, his name is Akshit Dahl. And he, um, I think he had reached out to me regarding playing on the Songwriter Showcase. And I really like his music and he's such a good dude. Um, and he mentioned to me that uh, Rolling Stone India is looking to profile international artists. And so I reached out and they said, yeah, we'd love to write about, um, I think they wrote about uh, the music video for Power of My Love, my one of my, I guess it is my most recent song at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, and what a thrill! I mean, and they were so nice, and and it was just such a such a wonderful thing to be a part of. Wow, that's beautiful stuff. I mean, like you know, you, you always want to 
<laughs> you always like you said. Of course, you want to be. Uh, you want to have your stuff being heard by everybody. You're, you're, but you're humble still. But come on, to be written by, you know, a publication <laughs> sure. like that. Whether regardless, Rolling Stone India, Rolling Stone wherever, exactly. still Rolling Stone. Um, That's right. I mean, I love it because it is hard to not be discouraged by right. all the you know failures that are inevitable in any kind of artistic endeavor. So right. you know, yeah, it would be disingenuous to say that when that happened, I wasn't like, oh, cool, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, um, hopefully, maybe. Who knows? You'll do a big tour in India. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm open to it. I've met, I've met a lot of nice people over there. I mean, you know, kind of uh, uh, tied to what we were saying earlier. I mean, the world is smaller than we think. And yes. Yes. You know, that connection with other human beings is really what it's all about. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's unbelievable how interconnected everybody is without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. Well, it just, just the guests that I have I've had on this podcast were either brought on by other friends or, or people are like, Oh, you, you know, this guy who knows that guy. And that's why I want to be on. It's just, it, yeah. And that's just, of course, this show imagine. Yeah. Anything else. Um, yeah. no, you're totally right. I, I, I would love to see you live. If you are doing anything in the New York city area, I mean, maybe yeah, Thank you. I would love to see you. I want I, I do want to listen to more of your music. Um, I will, maybe uh do that after we we finish here but um i would would love to hear more because what again as i've discussed with you and for those that are listening i try not to ask too many questions before i have someone on and i want to get to know you while i'm talking to you and uh i purposely don't watch or listen to anything that you guys do (laughs) if it catches my eye enough on instagram then i'll ask like hey maybe this person's cool but uh-huh. the, the opposite happened. You asked me, so I was just like, "Oh, he's going to be on," and I'll just find out. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't even down. look at your That's Instagram it. until like five minutes before we came <laughs> on. <laughs> only, only for that reason. I like, I like the feel of of that freshness. So, but yeah, man, this has been great. I I uh, try to keep it about at an hour. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure we could have talked about a lot more uh, other things. Maybe maybe that calls for a future engagement. But um, as of right now, this was great. Where could the folks find you, uh, whether it is your music or, or what have you? Sure. Um, I do have a website, RoryDelazno.com, which I try to keep kind of updated. But honestly, Instagram is my favorite place to, to stay connected with people because I'll obviously announce my shows and my releases there. And it's just really fun to be able to engage with people. I am on Spotify and all the streaming services, YouTube and whatnot, have some music videos out. But it's all tied to my Instagram. And yeah. that's, you know, I'm responsive to messages and stuff. So I love to just chat with people. So that's probably my best. And that's my just my name, Instagram.com slash Rory Delazno. Right on, man. That was great. <laughs>